Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one, except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. It's the podcast with more subscribers than Grit Magazine. It's guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside Jay Reed. I don't think uh, I don't think Grit is even publication anymore, is it? I don't know, but you that certainly strikes a memory. Boy, I did tell you, you ever what, get it? I never got it. Uh, no, I mean I read a couple and I pondered becoming a Grit uh, carrier and selling Grit subscriptions. But I didn't, so I'm going to look up Grit Magazine right now. A different kind of grit was part of my life. Yeah, that's the kind you ate. As I said, Grit Magazine, Jay just like, like you know, jumped up. It's like, wow, whoa, whoa. There's actually a Grit Magazine still. Still, so, yeah. in the same sort of basic Well, idea. it's a website. It's grit.com, and they say it is rural American know-how. And that sounds about right from what I remember. Grit rural America. Rural America. Rural, that's rural. such a short word that's hard to say. R-U-R-A-L. Rural. Rural. So I'm seeing if I can find an About Grit magazine somewhere on here. See if they've got their history. If only Wikipedia was free. Yeah, but I'm looking at the official Grit. Oh, the About page on, on the, the Grit site. I yeah, that's you. what I'm looking for. You. So, no, it doesn't say. I, I would be curious... The uh, the evolution of Grit Magazine. Because, you know, that was something that you were always, you know, you could peddle the subscriptions as a kid to try to make money. And uh, so it was a newspaper, now it's a magazine. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, this is like, here's Wikipedia. The publication was founded in 1882. Get out. As the Saturday edition of the Williamsport, Pennsylvania Daily Sun and Banner. So... Back in those days, you know, your weekend papers would have their own kind of self-standing okay. name. There's a there's a particular newspaper in London. I cannot remember what it is, but they're Monday through Friday's regular circulation, and then they essentially print. They change the title of the paper for mm -hmm. Sunday, I believe. Okay. And they make it kind of a magazine, okay. if I remember correctly. So, but um, sort of like a parade or yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, Grit was a familiar newspaper in small towns across the U.S. for over a century. By the time of its 50th anniversary in 1932, 400,000 people bought the newspaper each week. That is wild. In 1932. So, anyway, I'm looking to see if there's anything. Approximately 30,000 children collected dimes from more than 700,000 American small-town homes during the 50s when the publication still carried the title, the subtitle, America's Greatest Family Newspaper. A dime. A dime. Isn't that crazy? Had comic strips, Richie Rich was in it. Huh. The Lone Ranger. Wow. Prince Valiant. Remember Prince Valiant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm looking to see... Uh, so, in 92, Grit left Williamsport after 111 years and moved its office to Topeka. So, Morris Communications purchased um, Stauffer Communications, who owned Grit. And so, Morris Communications actually owns WCBI over in Columbus. Huh. So. Well, that's yeah. a little local connection. Beginning with September 2006, issue Grit converted to an all-glossy, perfect-bound magazine. 
So, so it's still in print, or it just was at that time. That is at the end of the Wikipedia article. Okay. Um. So yeah, and Tractor Supply sold it. Oh wow! Boy, we got one of those. Yeah, we do. We do. And so I was not expecting to do. Uh, a treatise on Grit Magazine, but uh, we're all glad you did. Though. Yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, but anyway, how That's are you fun. doing? And we don't have Art this week. Art, I think Art would prefer to be here, but <sighs> Art's cleaning out an attic. Really? Yeah. Is that his birthday gift to his lovely wife? I think it's something like that. So You're uh, celebrating her birthday. As today. long as happy birthday, Mrs. Shirley, and happy birthday, Mrs. Reed. That is. So such a weird thing you know i think we've talked about this before but my mother and mrs shirley share a birthday and my father and art share a birthday so we're trying to figure out who's it's related al- to who it's almost like this podcast was destined to happen that's right so yeah it's pretty fun but yeah um art and i had lunch yesterday he's like yeah becky wants to clean out the attic and get the house ready for easter guest and i'm like do we need to give you an excuse to get out of that to come do the podcast? <laughs> it is what it is. So, but I guess probably didn't have a sales signal strong enough in his attic to even call in. Probably not. So, but anyway, well, let's jump into some geeks of the week. Uh, I'll start. We're going to do a few extra geeks, or at least Jay is, and we're going to talk food stuff on the back half since we don't have the third of our trio of our tripod strength here. Um, I have gone on record as being a big fan of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yes, you have. And uh, so that was Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Brie Larson, Chris Evans. All those guys started. Brie Larson, that, that just can't <laughs> wrap my mind around that. Well, you know, it was before they got huge, right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm looking. Anna Kendrick was in that. Uh, Allison Pill was in it. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, that was before. Wow. Um, 30 Rock. Brandon Roth was in it. Okay. You know, so... Jason Schwartzman, uh, who else? And that's one of your recommendations that I did actually get around to watching, so I'm, I'm with you on this. I liked it, it. It's great. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, and what was really interesting is the ending of it. It's adapted from a limited series, uh, graphic novels, comic, whatever you want to call it. The movie was wrapping shooting before the series had finished its comic run, so the end is different than the comic book. Okay. So, Netflix has just announced, as we are recording this, like an hour or so ago, uh, they're going to be doing a Scott Pilgrim, the anime series. And all the major stars from the live action are going to reprise their roles as the voices of. That is very cool. So, you get Michael Sierra, Sarah back as Scott, uh, Mary Elizabeth. Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers, the American who was working for Amazon.ca. Uh, who else is coming in? Chris Evans as Lucas Lee, who is one of the uh, League of, of Evil Exes. Uh, so, and Edgar Wright's going to be an executive producer, so I'm pretty excited about that. So, uh, I am really, really, really looking forward to. Oh, Jason Schwartzman is back as Gideon. And when does uh, that start? I don't know. They just announced it, so probably not anytime soon. Huh? Let's see. Kira Culkin as Wallace, who's finishing up his marvelous run on Succession. So uh, the series was announced back in early 2022, but they just announced that the cast, the original cast, are coming back. That's pretty impressive. So, um, 
yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about that. This should be a lot of fun. So, uh, and it looks like Anamanaguchi. I can't even Anamanaguchi, the pop band that was the who did the soundtrack for the video game. Okay, is going to be doing the soundtrack for the anime. So that leads me to believe that the people involved in that really enjoyed it and you know think a lot of it themselves. Well, it was directed by Edgar Wright, who's just amazing. We're big fans of Edgar Wright. At least some of us are here. So you like Edgar, right? Sure. Did you see Baby Driver? The right guy. No, Baby Driver. I don't know. You didn't see Baby Driver. I guess I didn't. Uh, let's see. What else? You've seen Scott. I mean, you've seen um, Hot Fuzz. Yes. And you've seen, um, oh gosh, I can't believe I just drew a blank on this. The zombie movie that was first of the trilogy that had, that had, um, yeah, I, Oh, what is it? Did it have the word dead in it or no? Oh, we talked about it me. so much. This is killing remember. me. I'm kind of half asleep still. Anyway, Edgar Wright's great. He's executive producing. Okay. I've got to look at that. What was it? I can see the title of it right now. I can see the front of the cover. Actually, I'm not sure the title reflected the zombie. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yes. Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fudge, Scott Pilgrim. World's End was okay. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz was great. That was the... you. Have you seen High Fuzz? Yeah. Yeah. Hot, you said Hot Fudge, though. Hot Fudge. <laughs> hot Fudge can be great, too. It can be. Um, so, yeah. Attack the Block. Did he? No, he didn't do Attack the Block. No, he didn't do Attack the Block. I don't think he did. But that I'm sure I would not know. Yeah. So, anyway. There you go. Shaun of the Dead. It's a lot of fun. Hot Fuzz. Is probably more fun. Scott Pilgrim is amazing. So, yep. Okay. Well, it sounds like something. Even though I'm not, Jacob is more has been into anime lately, but I've never really gotten into it. So, and I think we've talked about that before, and I need to rehash. But I just never have. I've never watched any, so I don't know if I would like it or not. To be honest. So that means you need to watch something. Watch something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have Crunchyroll app on my. Of course devices because Jacob got it. I, I don't even know if I could get signed in, but sometimes my children are actually are the ones that pay for the services and I enjoy them. Well, <laughs> once in a while, don't tell Netflix for the, for the moment that you share for the moment. So, so, all right, what you got for a geek? Well, I just read this and I don't know. Um, I think it's real. Um, there's a movie coming out next year called Ballerina and it stars Ana de Armas. Who? Uh, Ana de Armas. The one who's the James Bond girl, the one who's uh, well, plays Marilyn Monroe, like thirty. Marilyn oh, okay. Monroe, Blondie. Uh, yeah. You know, she's real big lately. Seems to be in everything, and she is going to be like the lead character in Ballerina, which is a spinoff from the John Wick series. So that's all I really know. But I like her. I like John Wick. I think it'll be fun. She's in something coming out pretty soon, where she plays like a spy. And she meets a guy, and he didn't know she's a spy. And then um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's coming out soon. I'm not sure if it's streaming or theaters, but but she looks great in that. Just kind of kind of kicking butt and taking names, and I think it'll be fun to see her in a John Wick kind of a thing too. So you enjoyed the John Wick movies, didn't you? Yeah, the fourth one's coming out soon. I think it's already out. Is it okay? I think it came out last weekend. Okay, well I need to go see that. Haven't seen any of them. Wow. I, I need I need to. See John Wick. Well, it's it's not much of a variation from a theme on all three of them, but yeah. but if you can, you know, endure the the gore, it's a, 
it's campy a little bit, but it's fun. And Keanu Reeves does not talk, basically. Well, he doesn't need to. He yeah. speaks with his wor- actions. His actions speak louder than any words he, he speaks could with possibly. his pencil. Ooh, I don't know that one. <laughs> Is that like a Joker-ish reference? You want to you want to watch me make a pencil disappear? <laughs> it, it, it's used as a weapon, I believe, as I recall. Wow. Okay. I may continue with my not watching John Wick for a while. Well, watch, watch one of them or start one and see yeah, what you think. Yeah. Because if you like the first one, you'll like the others. Well, is my contention. There you go. Uh, so last, I think it was last week, maybe it was a week before, Victoria Alonzo, I think I'm pronouncing that last name right, who is one of the uh, executives who'd been with Marvel from the beginning of the cinematic universe. It was her, Kevin Feige, and Louis uh, D'Esposito. I can never right. really. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. You know, she was she was unceremoniously fired right. from, from uh, the House of the Mouse. And uh, so there looks like there may be some wrongful turfination suits going on. But any wrongful turfinations, turfinations, turfinations. That's it's, tough. Yeah, especially when you got ant hills in the turfinations. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, a wrongful termination suite, suite, <laughs> suit, sweet suit. Who knows? The turfinations. Suite. She's coming. She's going to go John Wick on him. That's what's going to happen. How do you like arena. that? So uh, Disney last week said that they were going to be cutting 7,000 jobs. Now, they announced something before. Is this additional? I believe this is additional Yikes. as well. That goes all the way to the top. New York Times is reporting that Isaac Ike Pearl, Perlmutter, P-E-R-L-M-U-T-T-E-R. I have this one written down as well. So, good. Yeah. so um, the 80-year-old chairman of Marvel Entertainment, which is not the same thing as Marvel Studios. I was reading that. I was hoping you could explain that. Uh, I believe Marvel Entertainment is in charge. Let's see. The company decided that Marvel Entertainment, a small division centered on consumer products and run separately from Marvel Studios, was redundant and would be folded into larger Disney business units. So basically, Marvel Entertainment is no more. So does that include the comics, the actual comics? I don't know. That's a great. That's what I was just. I was hoping y'all would know. Y'all being you today, um, because it said he was he was the guy that bought Marvel and then sold it yeah. to Disney, and they promised him he could keep his job at least for a season, and. Obviously now he's out, but it made clear that like he and Feige, he wanted to fire Feige at one point. Yeah, I read said he and Feige got into it, uh, and you know there was a huge fight over Doctor Strange in the way that Feige was going to handle Doctor Strange. You know Ike didn't like that, and if you recall back. when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out, there was the Marvel TV universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there were issues with shared creative space there. Mm. And if you remember, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out the same time as Winter, right before Winter Soldier. And so you had no idea that Hydra was who Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was battling until the Hydra reveal in Winter Soldier when it looks like Shield has been infiltrated with Hydra agents. Okay. So anyway, that was the that was kind of interesting to watch. Now he got a big payday when he sold, and you know it's not. Don't oh, cry sure. for me, Argentina. Yeah. But it's just it's it's interesting. I'm not saying Kevin Feige is consolidating his power base. Hmm. I'm not saying that at all. 
But I'm saying that if I was Louis Esposito, I would be watching myself. So, <laughs> and uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. Well, that, so when when he says he bought Marvel back in the day, that was every was that everything Marvel? Like, uh, yeah. Let me TV, look it up. movie, and comics. Because that seems like a consumer product, but yeah, let um, me look. Uh, let me look at because comics are still coming out. Am, am I right? I mean, I haven't been in the comic shop. In the- let's see, Ike Perlmutter. Uh, through a variety of sometimes unorthodox business deals, has been an influential investor in a number of corporations, including Revco Drugstores, Oh my, Coleco Entertainment, Remington, and Toy Biz Marvel Toys. He's the former chairman and CEO of Marvel Entertainment. Okay. So I'm going to look at, let's go that up quick. Yeah. Former. Yeah. He was a member of the board of directors of Marvel comics beginning in April of 93 and was chairman of the board until 95. He was also the co-owner of toy biz later known as Marvel toys with Avi Arad, Arad, who was involved in Marvel as well. Um, so when Marvel group went bankrupt in 96, um, Perlman and Arad, A-Rod, A-R-A-D, whatever, we'll call him A-V, had established control of the company, pushing out uh, Carl Icahn and Ronald Perlman. And so Toy Biz and Marvel were merged into Marvel Enterprises to bring it out of bankruptcy in 98. In 2001, Perlmutter became vice chairman of Marvel. He became the CEO of Marvel Comics in 2005. He remained CEO of Marvel Entertainment even after the acquisition of Marvel by Disney in 2009. So it sounds like everything Marvel is now under Disney. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it already was. Com- I mean, yeah, com- yeah. Not just movies, not just visual content. But- so here's why I don't feel so bad for him being fired at the age of 80. He received $800 million in cash and $590 million in Disney stock after the acquisition. Yeah. He's going to do just fine. So, yeah. So, here, I'll read this and then we'll move on. This is pretty interesting. In September 15, Perlmutter stopped overseeing the development of Marvel Studios. Um, Feige reported to him. Disney said, no, we're going to have him report directly. Feige report directly to Walt Disney Studios head Alan Horn. Um, and so that all cinematic properties of Disney, including Pixar and Lucasfilm, were under one management structure. The restructuring was allegedly due to Feige's frustration working with Perlmutter, as well as some alleged controversial comments and actions by him, such as replacing the casting of Terrence Howard, Terrence Howard as James Rose with Don Cheadle because, well, I'm not going to repeat that. You can go to okay. Wikipedia. That was pretty bad. So I... Anyway, um, yeah, it looks like they just kind of chipped away after they gave him the money and let him stick around. Mm-hmm. Feige got frustrated with the old fella, and Feige moved his job to report directly to Disney Studios gotcha. head. And okay, <sighs> it does seem like heads are heads are rolling. Yeah, They're not just so. the little guys that not not the 7000 people that are in the end credits under the animation team. No. But, no. Uh, and that was part of the, you know, there's been a lot of we've talked about it before there's been a lot of issues with uh the strenuous work conditions of some of the animation houses. Yeah, and how we talked pushed. about that last week with the so, uh, Alfonso 
We'll see how that goes. Is it Alfonso or Alonso? I think it's. I want to say it's Alfonso. Well, you're probably right. I'm probably wrong. I can look back in my notes from last week. Well, while you do that, let's take Alfonso. a break. We're going to come back with a couple other geeks. Jay's going to ramble about food, and we're going to miss Art even more. Be right back. While we're not solving Disney's problems, we're going to talk a couple other geeks of the week or something. I think Jay's got something on his magic list as we pine away over Art's absence. What, what else you got on your magic list? This is this was going to be one of my geeks, and it can lead into our our favorite discussion of what to eat. Because um, we're going to turn this into a culinary podcast eventually. Aren't once we? once in a while, yeah. So this was on comicbook.com. But it's not really anything to do with comics. But um, I'm sure we've all bought things. And on the tag, it says this product contains an ingredient or a component that the state of California, you know, has made illegal because it causes cancer or sunburn or, you know, happiness or something, (laughs) you know, something that California bans. Um, so or happiness. The next thing that they are banning could be Skittles. What? So Skittles has an ingredient in it by the name of titanium dioxide. It's an, an ingredient added to the candies to help create a smooth texture. The European Union also bans it because of the increased risk of cancer. So California is looking at uh, that ingredient. Uh, red dye number three, potassium bromate, brominated vegetable oil, and propyl paraben. Uh, I should know well, all those things as a sounds like a he- Harry Potter uh, spell. Yeah, well, it's probably everything good in all the candy we eat, or everything that tastes good, not necessarily everything good. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the thing, <clears throat> some of those things like red dyes and pears, hot tamales, double bubble. Uh, this is this is what I thought was really weird: citrus soft drinks. So I don't know if that's like. Mountain Dew or your Fanta Orange, what do they consider a citrus soft drink? But uh, it has the brominated vegetable oil, Ugh, uh, titanium oxide also in nerds and gummy products. So basically they're just saying that it, these are toxic and California shouldn't eat them. So they're looking at banning all those. Um, so Skittles, it, I got the idea from reading this that in Europe, you know, they still have these candies just without those ingredients. So if you ever get a skittles in europe and it tastes or the texture's not quite the same as it is in that's the european skittle yep so maybe california's now going to be have european skittles who knows the euro skittle euro skittle so you know there'll be the euro skittle and the cali skittle and they'll cost two and a half times as much <sighs> but, probably um, so when you get half as many <laughs> right yeah are you a skittles fan i have i do like skittles yeah it's I, not the first thing i'll pick up but it's a great thing if i'm if I'm riding while tired, um, Skittles are a great way to kind of keep me alert. And Really? Oh, yeah. That's one of my faves. That and sunflower seeds. Because it's got the crunch, seeds. yeah. Do sunflower seeds keep you alert as well? Um, to some degree, depending on the, the so, level of fatigue. So it's not the it's not the caffeine or the stimulant. It's the crunch that gets you. It's the crunch. And the like with the sunflower seeds, I'm talking about I put a wad of the whole seeds Kind of looks like I'm chewing tobacco for a minute until I work my way through the through the pile. Um, so, do saltine crackers have the same effect? No, because the saltine cracker you just eat. But a but a, um, a, a an unshelled no a shelled sunflower seed you've got to work through that seed. You got to work through the shell to get to the seed. Get this shell you out. You said it was an unshelled. I, well, I corrected myself. You corrected yourself to unshell, I believe. 
Well, I meant shelled. Okay. Whatever I said, I meant okay. shelled. And okay. it just okay. takes work to do that. And uh, that keeps me awake. What about jelly bellies? You ever had a jelly belly? Yeah, of course I've had a jelly belly. Okay. I have a jelly belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah, jelly. I was actually yeah, jelly bellies. But I was gonna. I meant jelly babies. But that's a whole different thing. I don't know what that is. It's like uh, it's almost like a gummy candy, uh, kind of a confectioner's gummy baby. The fourth doctor played by the great Tom Baker. Okay. When he was trying to disarm a potential enemy, he would <laughs> offer a bag of jelly bellies. That's well, see that I sounds mean, jelly like babies. A, that sounds like a jelly baby. Anyone? A British. Uh, very much version so. of something, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, a Jelly Belly would be good because it has a little bit of a little bit of a crunch on the outside. So but it's all about the crunch. The crunch helps, and you know the actual nature of unshelling the the sunflower seed with your you know teeth and tongue and all that stuff makes it. For some reason, that works. But if I'm really tired, nothing works. <laughs> I'm really tired. Melissa drives and I nap. There you go. Um, all right, but yeah, I mean, but but Skittles are, are kind of like M and M's too with me. It's hard to, unless I'm doing it intentionally to try to stay awake, then I tend to like eat them by the handful, which yeah. can be bad from a caloric standpoint. All right, but anyway, so so I all of our listeners in California, get your Skittles now. I guess so, or run across the border. When you go to Vegas, just pick you up a bunch of Skittles there right. right before you cross over. So that's yeah. an interesting drive. You, I, I drove from Vegas to LA one time. How far drive is that? It's four hours or oh, so. That's not bad. It was pretty fascinating. I bet. You know, probably will never do it again. So, but uh, you know, kind of enjoyed it. But well, you probably stopped at the border, investigated for a red dye number three. Could have been a bromide or whatever else you said. So. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway. All right. You want to talk other food things. What what else did you want to discuss? Well, that was the only like geek part, but uh, it's getting to be. I saw yesterday locally here, we're, we're kind of at the end of March, early April. So as we record and our farmer's market will be here in a few weeks and I always get excited about that. Uh, one of my customers at the pharmacy actually stopped the other day and she had brought me some... Um, like heirloom tomatoes from her garden. And so she and I were talking about what she was growing. The, I think the frost had killed it. And so I had really good luck last year growing tomatoes and I'm kind of pumped up about this year, but I don't have any, you know, we're being in Mississippi. It's what it was at 80 yesterday. It's been 80 this week, upper seventies, yeah. but it's been dropping to, you know, right. upper forties, lower fifties. Right. So it was really cool this morning, but we've had some 80 degrees, but, until Easter's over and, and just a bit past that, we still risk a frost. Well, Bonnie put so, out two tomato plants and they died. Well, that's what happened to my customer. She she had two or three going and she had religiously told me that she had religiously brought them in every time it was going to frost. And then one time she forgot and it killed them. Boom. So I'm. Uh, we had a neighbor of my mother's that gave us some plants last year. He had too many seedlings going and and donated some to us and they did really well for me yeah i've usually stink at growing anything like that yeah we've had mixed results you know um but you know it is what it is but it's it's nice to be able to to walk out the back door pick a few cherry tomatoes off your plant and then you know plop them on your salad and you know there's something special about you know a tomato warmed by the sun that's now you know between two pieces of white bread with some 
mayo and maybe a little salt and pepper. See, I just don't like that. You don't like tomato sandwich? I do not. Now, I, I like I a greasy salad quite a bit. Right, and that's so usually I have tomatoes if I'm if I'm having a good year. I'm gonna have tomatoes out back, and I've got a basil plant, so I can go get my basil and my tomatoes, and all I got. Do you have a mozzarella plant? I don't have a mozzarella plant. I'm having a real struggle with that. Have you ever made mozzarella cheese? I haven't. I, that's it's sort a, of on my. It's the easiest cheese in the world to make. Okay. Yeah, all I've you seen is, it. Made, you need rennet and cheese salt, and that's it. Where does one get that? Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Amazon. Uh, you probably get maybe at the co-op as well. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's rennet. Rennet is. Uh, yeah, rennet is is what you would need. Basically, just rennet and milk and, and like and salt, right? And you want a whole milk, uh, and then cheese salt. Yeah. Amazon, Walmart's got cheese salt. Do you need buffalo milk? Because isn't that like the authentic mozzarella? Uh, I don't know if that's the authentic, but buffalo mozzarella is pretty good. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know. Let's look. What was the first mozzarella? It was developed in southern Italy as far back as once first century AD, and wow. it was most likely made using sheep's milk. Sheep's milk. Okay. Yeah. I don't see. I, I'm not crazy about. Yes, you are crazy. Goat milk products. Well, so I don't know about good. sheep. If it has the same sort of gamey, tangy flavor as as goat milk stuff, you know, I actually do like a goat cheese from time to time. So mozzarella was, for, and now according to this, mozzarella was first made in Italy near Naples from the rich milk of water buffaloes. Huh? Because it was not made from pasteurized milk, because there was little or no refrigeration, the cheese had a very short shelf life, and seldom left left the southern region of Italy near Naples where it was made. That's funny because there is even now an ongoing debate about raw milk cheeses and whether or not they should be legally able to be sold or not because they're not pasteurized. Yeah, and there's a whole political argument about raw milk and how, I guess it's the FDA, if you're selling raw milk, they'll almost raid you yeah it's, it's ridiculous is it the fda or is it uh probably so or the usda usda one or the other yeah one of the, one of the da's, one of the DAs huh? yeah so we've been talking too much together <laughs> we were saying the same thing scary yeah we just don't have our here to keep us in line that's so. right fact checkers out yeah. of the so i challenge today. you to make mozzarella at home okay and it's not much different than making um than making uh, yogurt at home I think we've done that before. Yeah, and I've got an Instapot that supposedly will yeah. make yogurt for me. But but you know, it's, done that. it's just cheaper to buy yogurt. Yeah, it was with something like that, and I'll do it. Like I'll take your challenge. I'll at some point make mozzarella. Uh, we made yogurt one time. A friend of ours overseas had a when we were living over there. They had a yogurt, kind of a yogurt maker, kind of a thing that we did a little bit, and it was okay. Um, but I still like to do things like. At least once. You also need citric acid too. Citric acid. Well, that's, yeah. Okay, that's that's not hard to come by. Yeah. So like um, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to think. I did something. Can't remember what it was, but it took a long time to make, and it's something that I probably would not do again. I wish I could remember what it was. Because um, <laughs> you may do it because you don't remember. Yeah, you may it, it, it may be new all over again. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind doing something once just to get the experience and to figure out what what it takes and that's what this i just finished uh michael pollan's book cooked yeah and he 
he went to great lengths. Like he went out to North Carolina and learned, trained with a guy who does whole hog barbecue and, and learned how to do it. Uh, he made beer with somebody. He made cheese with somebody. Uh, and then he made bread with somebody. And, and all of that took a long time, many, many steps. And so, you know, kind of the conclusion of the book was, and he's not going to do this all the time, but yeah. learned a ton about how fermentation works and why it's good for you and how, you know, the, the bread, the yeast and all that, you know, works together to, and the different things that make bread good, uh, you know, depending on your taste and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's not something he's doing every day, you know, every week. And that, I would say the same thing like with mozzarella, you know, I might not make it all the time, but I'd love to know that I could. It's pretty simple. I made French bread one time, you know, and I, we, <laughs> oui, we oui. like, like I do so many times I bought a nice French bread specific pan. I think I've, Put it in the oven one time with bread on it. Oh, that man. kind of thing. You're the you're the master of the unitasker, aren't you? I'm. Uh, I don't know what that means, but maybe. So Alton Brown is, has railed against buying things that are for one task, one, one task. Uh, I got gotcha, you. Yeah. He calls them unitaskers. That makes sense. And he doesn't want you to buy unitaskers. So he probably wouldn't like my donut pan either, huh? Probably not. Yeah, I've used that more than once. So I use it for. Just to make different donut-shaped things. Well, like for him, he doesn't want you to have a coffee grinder and a spice grinder because you can use the same grinder for both. You could, but then you get funky spice flavors in your coffee potentially. Not if you, if you not if you cleaned it. Well, there's, but that's a whole another two or three steps that I ain't got time for. Oh my! <laughs> Talk about a first-world problem. I don't have time to clean my spice grinder, so I must get a coffee grinder for my daily espresso. Well, see, this is this is going to convict me even further. But I have a, a really I have a really good Burr coffee grinder that I use several times a week, if not more. I also have a spice grinder that I bought because I one of the stores here I think was going out of business. It was a good price as a Cuisinart. It was a good product. Never been out of the box. I haven't ground a spice yet with it. Oh my! And I have a hand grinder for my pepper, so you know I have a, and then I also have a, a hand grinder for a coffee before I got the good electric one. So yeah, I'm probably am the the unitasker uh, poster yeah. child, the master of the unitasker. That's, that's got a nice ring to it. I tell you what. All right, so, so what? Gonna- so it was the cheese, and it was something else. Um, well, now I've interrupted and I can't even remember what I was going to say. But those kinds of things I would like to do. We had now this actually may do again, but I think it should be said publicly. Um, out at uh, Mississippi State near our near our home, they have a famous for Edom and Valigrette cheeses out there, and they have a store where they sell that and ice cream. And named after my uh, one of my former mentors, Doctor Joe Cardwell. Okay. Named after him? Yeah, it's the Cardwell Cheese Store. Oh, that. Okay, I thought you were talking about the cheese itself. I was trying to think. His name is not Joe no. Valigrette Cardwell. No. no. Um, I think I had his wife for math, too, in elementary uh, school. Miss was great. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I went out there one day to get some cheese, and they have a Probably lot of Probably wearing your old Miss regalia. I tend to do that from time to time. Mm. Um, uh, somebody's <laughs> going to beat you up one day, I'm just telling you. Probably. Yeah. But I'm giving them my money anyway. Um, so they had... They have some meats out there too, you know, ag school and all that. And so they had some frozen goat chunks, Ugh. like cubed, I should say. That's more Ugh. appropriate. Cubed goat. Sounds even worse. So I'm like, well I've, well, I've had goat before and enjoyed it. So um, I, I just grabbed it, threw it in the freezer. And so this weekend I had a, um, like a barbacoa seasoning pack for the crock pot. Yeah. So I cut up the goat where well, I was already cut. I, I 
took a little fat off and uh, and just put it in the crock pot all day, and it was delicious. Somebody got your goat? I, I got my goat, and I will be getting more goat. Did what Melissa's think about your goat? She loved it. She actually loved it, yeah. Good. Yeah, so I've been, I mean, it made a big pot full. I've been eating it all week at goat tacos about every night. Oh. For, <laughs> it just sounds disgusting. It's not. It's goat, not, I promise. Goat tacos. Goat tacos okay. with... Uh, See, if I could figure out how to make cotija cheese at home, then I'd be in business. So this is what we should do in order if you're listening. This is the challenge. Jay, you make the mozzarella. I'll make the pizza sauce. We'll go to Arts. We'll make pizza. I think that is a tremendously great idea. Have to find somebody to smoke and cure some meats, but I ain't eating no goat. I was I'll get some more goat. Nope. <laughs> I ain't eating your goat. So. Goat pepperoni. Goat-a-roni. Oh, <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to close it out. We don't know if we'll ever be back in again if we can recover from the goat's capade, I guess. Well, this this podcast is the goat. <laughs> that it is. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time around.